Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 38. The Bible that's in the pew, it's on page 1012. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Right. Well, I'm excited to share with you this last uh, message. I thought it was perhaps the most profound of these uh, that we've shared. This is the fourth of the ideas that Jesus shared with us that are certainly worth spreading. So I'm excited to share that with you. Just real quick before we do that, um, I want to mention that just kind of by way of update, supposedly tomorrow our new sign is going to go in the ground and it's not going to do anything crazy. And nothing bad is going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, and by the next Sunday, you'll be able to say, oh, look at that lovely sign. And uh, maybe we'll get everything else cleaned up a little better, too. But anyway, we are, uh, we've, we've had some adventures around here the last week or two. And thank you for your prayers and support. And we'll keep you posted on, on those as we go. Um, so it'll be just in time for Christmas, right? Just it'll be like a Christmas gift. We've been saying that 2,000 years ago, uh, it wasn't just a Savior that was born. It was the very wisdom and word and truth and light of God. That Jesus was more than a Savior. And before he was a Savior, he was a teacher. And before he was a Savior, he modeled what it looks like to live the life that God designed humankind to live. And he taught his apostles, and they likewise modeled their lives after him. That's the meaning of the word disciple. And he told them to go and make more disciples. And so they started going and teaching others what Jesus had taught them. And so the wisdom of God began to spread through humankind. And as it did, more and more people began to try and align their lives with these ideas that are worth spreading. And they did so by the power by the living power of God at work in them. Because when Jesus died and resurrected and went to, to uh, sit at the right hand of the Father, He sent His Holy Spirit into our lives so that His ideas that are worth spreading would meet His power in us and transform us 
to live a, diff a different way than, than the way perhaps we were predisposed to live in this broken world, fractured by sin. And so we've been looking at one example after another, and today we talk about Jesus' ideas on the issue of conflict. And the next Sunday we're going to do a Christmas message called God With Us, and I'm looking forward to that one too. And, and then of course we'll have our Christmas Eve service um, after that, and we'll uh, share more about that, but I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have like a little story time for the kids in there, we're going to have communion together, we're going to have candlelight and carols, and uh, I'm going to talk as little as possible, it's going to be great. And so... Uh, make, make plans if you can to be here that evening. It's going to be short and sweet and to the point, but it's going to be a special time of worship uh, as we prepare our hearts for Christmas morning. And so we invite you uh, and your friends and family to join us um, Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock. Okay, I sometimes, just a confession of a, of a pastor here, sometimes I get sucked into YouTube and they, you know, they find out what you're interested in and then they give you other ideas and you go down rabbit trails and before you know it, you should have been in bed an hour ago and uh, that kind of thing. So the other day I uh, stumbled across this video of an interview with a hypnotist and he was talking about hypnotism and uh, just different practical ways he's been able to use the skills uh, that he's developed. He said it's really not as much mystique to it as you think. It just um, seems to work better with more suggestible people. And, uh, but it's really just about catching people off guard and, and things like that. And so uh, he's been able to use his skills that he's learned in, uh, in the real world. And so one day he was walking somewhere in Europe. He's European. Uh, he was walking down the road and this really angry drunk guy was coming down the road towards him and just picked him out of the crowd to pick a fight with. And so he started trying to, you know, the drunk guy started trying to pick a fight with this hypnotist. And the hypnotist just had, I guess, you know, he was used to uh, trying, you know, I don't know, he had, he, had a, he had a plan. I don't know how he had a plan, but he had a plan. So he said this to the guy. He said, you know, there's no way that the wall around my house is four feet tall. And the guy said, what? <laughs> and he said, yeah, you know, in Spain, they're all over four feet tall. But I'm telling you that there's no way that my house in Britain, the wall is definitely not four feet tall. And he said the guy just had like this adrenaline letdown and he just slumped to the curb. <laughs> just hit the ground. It was like he had so much adrenaline built up and when he, when this hypnotist hit him with this just random thing that didn't make any sense and what you know it had nothing to do with the fight he was trying to pick it just deflated him and he just fell to the ground in a heap <laughs> and I thought what an interesting way to deal with conflict uh, you know it, most people in that situation would would pick one of two options you would either punch the guy right and just say look I'm gonna whoop you man <laughs> if you want to pick a fight with me let's go uh, and then the other option is some form of flight, right? Like either you literally run or you just try and get out of it or you just try to get away or whatever the case is. Uh, and this guy picked neither of those options. And I thought as I was preparing this message that that guy was onto something. Jesus, even though this hypnotist guy wasn't a, a Christian, he stumbled onto a little bit of the truth that Jesus shares in these ideas on conflict. 
See, Jesus took several examples for us, but he was sharing how, you know, in most situations, people are either aggressive or passive when it comes to conflict. Uh, you know, many of us, if you, uh, if you mess with me, I'm going to mess with you. You mess with my family, I'm going to mess you up. You know, you see the bumper stickers of these people, and you see like in the there's a guy not too far from our uh, neighborhood. He's got a sign in the front yard that says, "We don't call the police." <laughs> it's got a barrel of a gun, you know, pointed out at you. And, uh, so you know, these are your aggressive types. This is uh, one way of dealing with conflict that is pretty standard in the world. And then there's others of us who are uh, passive instead. And the only kind of aggressive we get is passive aggressive, right? And, uh, but usually we're just trying to avoid any kind of conflict. If we uh, are going to talk about you, it's going to be behind your back, probably. And, uh, and if, if you make us mad, chances are we're not going to deal with it head on. We're going to internalize it and get bitter over time. And it'll probably affect our, our self-esteem over time. And we just, you know, there's two different ways of dealing with conflict. Fight or flight, aggressive or passive. And into this mix, Jesus says, how about a third option? Jesus said, you've heard it said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. And you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And then he offers a third way. A different way. A way that doesn't involve revenge or getting back. It doesn't involve, involve being particularly aggressive or you know, fighting. It doesn't, it's not flight either. It's not cowardice. It's not passive. It's not even passive aggressive. He's playing a whole different ballgame. And so he gives us three examples. Examples of how we might creatively engage the fallen world and broken people when conflict comes. Because let's face it, conflict comes. You know, sometimes if I asked you, like, who's your enemy? You, know, you might not be able to uh, name, uh, you know, a whole list of enemies that you have. You know, I hope that you don't have a list of enemies that you keep on your mirror or something. But at the same time, there's times when you get into conflict, right? And in that moment, you have an adversary. In that moment, you have someone who's pitted against you. It may even be a friend. It may even be a spouse. It may even be, a, you know, it may just be a coworker or whatever the case may be. But in that moment, you have a choice of how you're going to handle it. And most people are going to handle that one of, the, one of the two ways that we've just mentioned. Avoid the conflict at all costs or go ahead and see what happens, right? Whatever you can do to me, I can do better to you. And so then Jesus gives us these three real-life examples from his world and in his culture, common instances of conflict that they could um, relate to. And in doing so, he's, again, as we've said throughout this series, he's not giving a new set of law and legalism that you must always do this when this happens. Uh, instead, he's giving examples to create a framework for you to operate within, to give you an idea of how Jesus might do it in certain situations. And so the first example he gives is if somebody slaps you on the cheek, right? What do you do? The aggressive or fight response would be you hit them back, 
right? The, uh, the passive or flight response would be you just take it and leave as fast as you can, right? Turn around and run, <laughs> you know, before he can hit you again. Jesus says, offer him your other cheek. Now again, this is one of those deals where I think the church, by and large, most of us have read that as a command that whenever someone hits you, you should let them hit you again. And we're not sure how we feel about that. Does, is that really wisdom? Um, uh, some of these things, you know, it helps to have cultural background or just to think about it a little bit. Jesus said, if someone hits you on the right cheek, Notice he didn't say, if someone hits you on the left cheek, turn them the other cheek. Did you notice that? I mean, if, if this was a rule that whenever someone hits you, then you should let them hit you again, then he would have just said, if someone hits you on the cheek, let them hit your other cheek, right? But he was specific. He said, if someone hits you on the right cheek, then give them your left cheek. So what's going on with that? Well, how does a right-handed person hit you on the right cheek? As far as I know, there's only one way to do it, and that looks like this, <laughs> right? It's a backhand. And uh, of course, in that culture, slapping was more of a thing perhaps than it is now. Um, I don't know. Fellas, if your wife slaps you at home, I'm sorry, but it's probably not exactly the same thing as what they did, and you probably deserved it. Um, <laughs> so in that culture, kind of like ours, if you backhand somebody, you're kind of, it's, it's not just hitting them, it's an insult, right? It's an insult, like you're beneath me. And that's how it certainly would have been in that culture. Like, you know, maybe a, a slave owner backhands his slave. Maybe a Roman guard backhands this Jewish dog. You know, does that kind of make sense, the culture? And so, Jesus says, well then offer them your left cheek. As in, fine, you want to beat somebody up? Go for it, but you're going to hit me as an equal. Because I'm not your dog. <laughs> it's not aggressive. You're not fighting back, exactly. You're certainly not t turning tail and running, right? It's not passive, it's not aggressive, it's an unexpected creative assertion of the truth. If they're drunk, they might just slump down on the ground after you do that. <laughs> Who knows? It'll be so unexpected. Jesus gives another example. He says, let's say that uh, someone was to sue you to take your shirt. We'll hand over your coat as well. And again, we tend to read this from a legalistic viewpoint and we think, okay, Someone sues me, I should just give them what they asked for and then give them extra? Like, is this the rule? If, if someone uh, is demanding something from me, I just have to give it to them? I mean, how does that work, Jesus? It doesn't seem like wisdom. First of all, we think that it's weird that you'd sue someone for their coat. But back then they didn't have cars to repo. Alright, so he had, uh, and clothes were worth a lot more. Because you didn't have just millions of articles of clothing running off the factory line all the time. It was handmade stuff, right? And to have a nice article of clothing was, uh, this was property that you had. And if you go to court, 
the judge can't say, uh, we'll we're going to take his car and his home. They might say, well, take his, take his clothes. Because that's worth something. Alright? Well, if you're going to do that, Jesus says, uh, maybe just go ahead and give him your undergarment too. And I can only imagine the point that that would make. Like, really? You're going to sue me for the shirt off my back? Don't you think that's taking it a little bit too far here? Uh, you're going to leave me disgraced. And so you're visibly showing, like, here's what you're doing. And so maybe, maybe by offering your undergarment to, you kind of make a point, and maybe you get through to the guy that's suing you, or at the very least to the judge that's deciding the thing, and maybe they would say, you know what, you're right. This isn't right. We're going to figure out some other way to, to handle this to where you maintain some of your dignity. Uh, there's a third example that Jesus gives where an authority figure requires someone to carry their burden for a mile. And apparently uh, they've been able to find through historical research that this was a thing that like Roman soldiers could enlist people to help for a mile. Uh, you might think of when Jesus was carrying his cross and they grabbed someone out of the out of the crowd to help carry that cross once Jesus couldn't carry it anymore. They could enlist help, but there was a limit to it. They couldn't just make you carry their pack for miles and miles and miles, you know. Uh, you had somewhere to be, so but you would have to stop what you were doing and help them for a mile, and then they could enlist the help of someone else for a mile and so forth. And so Jesus says, as you can imagine, the Jewish people not being thrilled about the, their Roman oppressors anyway. Uh, you know, probably pretty bitter any time a Roman soldier exercised their right to have a Jewish uh, person carry their load. So, but Jesus surprises with this response. You know, instead of getting angry and lashing out and doing as terrible a job as you can of carrying their stuff and walking as slowly as you can so that they uh, are late to wherever they're going or instead of uh, you know trying to get out of it or instead of just taking it and walking away with your head down like oh man woe is me Jesus offers an alternative he says when they get to the end of that mile and they say alright your miles up say no I'm good I'll help you out for one more mile. What? You can imagine that a Roman soldier had probably never heard that response before. Probably wouldn't be sure what to do with it. Is he going to get in trouble for breaking the rule of one mile only? Is he, uh, you know, should he be thankful? Should he be skeptical? What's happening here? And so, again, this is more than about uh, fighting or flighting, being aggressive or passive. Jesus, again, has shown a way to insert the truth into a situation of conflict without either of those typical responses. And in that moment, you're saying, I'm a free man. I'm a free woman. You think you're making me do this, but let me show you that I'm choosing to do this of my own accord. It's a creative response. 
Again, these are examples. And so we ask ourselves, what do these different examples have in common? What new and better way of living is Jesus prescribing? And I believe this framework Jesus offers actually gives tremendous freedom and room for creativity in how we respond in conflict. All three of these examples were creative ways of highlighting truth. You know, the truth is, I'm not your dog or something. The truth is that suing me for the shirt on my back is taking it too far. The truth is, not all Jews are jerks, and I'm a free man and choosing to do this of my own accord. In each situation, you're asserting the truth. And so we might say this, that, that Jesus was changing the game and giving us a framework in which we can assert the truth without fight or flight. We don't have to be aggressive, we don't have to be passive. There's a third option. You can assert the truth with confidence and humility. To do that, Jesus knew we'd have to be rooted from a place of love. From a place of love. Because any other place, if you try to do one of these, uh, you're just going to come across as some kind of prankster or as some kind of, uh, you know, or as a form of being passive aggressive or something like that. But if it comes from a heart that's rooted in love, then you will indeed be asserting the truth without fight or flight. You'll be playing a whole different game than the rest of the world is playing. And this is what Jesus prescribes for us to do. It's not easy. So Jesus gives some advice about how we can work towards this in our life. One tool that he gives us is prayer. You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemy and pray for your enemy. So one practical piece of advice that we can take home with us today is to pray for the people that we're having conflict with. To pray for them. Not to pray for lightning to come down and strike them. To pray for truth to prevail. To pray for them to have empathy. To pray that the situation be resolved for the best of everyone involved, you know. Maybe they're not a Christian and you pray for them that they would find Christ and His love in their life. Maybe they are a Christian but they don't act like it and so you pray that, that God would help grow in them a mature faith. And the other thing Jesus seems to prescribe is to think, to meditate, Specifically, he just kind of walks you through a train of thought. He says, wait a second. How does God treat those who are opposed to him? Doesn't he send rain on both the godly and the ungodly? You know, we might consider, how did God treat me? How did God treat you when we were still enemies of God? Did he not send his son? Did Jesus not die for us on the cross? 
did he not say, Father, forgive them? So then how can we, in turn, hate our enemy? And so we think about how God has approached conflict, how Jesus did, and what this framework is that he offers us. And we begin to think about how can I then practice this in my own life? So we pray for those we're in conflict with and we meditate on this framework that Jesus has offered and, and the way God has treated us. I don't know, this is hard. This is really hard. As I tried to think through examples to give you, I realized how hard it was, like I thought. You know, I'll just think about some common situations where people have conflict and then I'll just come up with some modern examples like Jesus did. I'm not Jesus. <laughs> that was a harder task than I expected. But just to get you thinking about it and get me thinking about it, uh, you know, politics is a hot button topic these days. Chances are you've got someone in your family, you may even have to see them this Christmas, that sees things different than you. And chances are, at least one of the people that sees things different from you uh, can't keep their mouth shut about it at the Christmas dinner table. Or maybe that person's you. <laughs> How do you handle that? I mean, this isn't as creative as what Jesus would come up with, but you could always, if you're not that creative on the spur of the moment, just speak calmly, but assertively. That you love them and care about them, even though you disagree with them. And that you respect their right to hold their opinions. You can just leave it at that, right? That's not, it's nothing fancy. But it's not fight or flight. It's not being aggressive or passive or passive aggressive. And you're speaking truth into the situation. We're both human. One of us is not better than the other. I still love you. We can do this civilly. Right? You're speaking truth into the situation. You're asserting the truth without fight or flight. Or maybe you just walk over there and give them a big old bear hug. That might be more Jesus-y, I don't know. <laughs> a little bit more creative, a little more unexpected. Whoa, what just happened there? Of course, you might get hit if you do that. But if you're prepared to take that, <laughs> that chance. You know, bullying is another situation that comes up. Comes up in our schools, comes up online. Comes up in the workplace. That's tougher, especially when, uh, when it's your child or your grandchild who's being bullied. That's when that eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth thing sounds real good. Like, how can you just let that slide? Don't they just need to be taught a lesson? I'd say yes, they do need to be taught a lesson. But I would say that if getting revenge, even if you call it justice, if getting back 
of showing them how it, what it feels like. If, if that worked to teach lessons, then the cycle of bullying would have stopped a long time ago. And the truth is a lot of the anti-bullying stuff out there today is just another form of bullying. We're bullying the bullies, right? So what if we did try to think through each unique situation? If you've got a, a kid, or maybe it's you, or your spouse that's dealing with a bully, think through how can I assert the truth in this situation without fight or flight? Oftentimes, I've had luck with people that kind of have like a bully personality of just telling them. Maybe after they cool off, or, and I cool off a little. Hey man, that wasn't the time or the place to have that conversation, or that wasn't the way to have that conversation, and in the future, if you'd like to address something with me, here's how I'd like you to do it. You know, maybe also sugarcoat it a little bit and say something kind to them as well. You know, look, I really appreciate you and like you as a person, but this was not good. Uh, you know, that's a way of asserting the truth without fight or flight. But it takes some gumption. It takes some courage. All these things do. Boy, with, with all the different ways that kids manage to bully each other nowadays, that you can get into some situations where it's really tricky. What do you tell your child that's really embarrassed about what people are spreading around through text or social media about them? Pray about it. Think a lot about what would Jesus do in this situation? How would he respond in this situation? Think about the framework that he's given us. The thing is, just getting back, just getting punishment for the other person is probably not going to break the cycle. Just taking it is not going to be healthy for you either. And those people that are bullying are just going to keep on bullying. I really do believe that the ideas that Jesus put forth on how to manage conflict are the best ideas in the world on dealing with these things. And they do have the potential to end the cycle instead of keeping the cycles of conflict going. But it does take prayer. It does take a willingness to at least want to get to a place where you can forgive, to at least want to get to a place where you don't want evil for the other person. And when you can get to that place in your life, then you can begin to think creatively about how to respond within this framework that Jesus provides. And it's probably going to take some humility. It's definitely going to take a lot of confidence and boldness on your part and courage to stand up to a bully without losing your head and lashing out or running for your life. What are you going to say on social media to dissolve the situation. To be humble, but to be firm and assertive. There's as many different examples we could give as there are situations. They're unique, each person is unique, each bully is unique, each situational conflict, you are unique. And so you will have to use this framework that Jesus provides and try to think outside the box 
What can I say? How can I act? What can I do to break this cycle of conflict? Like the guy that's hit on the cheek, maybe you can find a way to restore your dignity without destroying theirs. It may not mean literally turning the other cheek, but it may be something just as creative. Or like the guy that was sued, you may need to expose the actions of your enemy for what they are without being a jerk about it. That's not easy to do. It takes a lot of thought and prayer. Like the guy who was forced to walk a mile, you may need to find a way to reestablish your freedom without taking revenge. And so we pray about it and we think through it and we find a way to do it. It's not easy. Have you ever heard the saying, like, he was playing chess while everyone else was playing checkers? Like, like checkers is a pretty simple game, right? You hop your little piece around. There's only one way they can go until you get to the other side of the board and then you get to stack them up and you have your king and then you can do other stuff. You can head back the other way. Um, you can move forward and backward. And, uh, but that's about as complicated as it gets, right? Chess is a whole other ball game. It's like every piece does something different and there's rules and the pawn can go two spaces and then only one space and it's like how many rules could they come up with and how many funny looking pieces could they come up with and, and you've got to remember all these, you know, oh my goodness, whatever. So, it's more complicated. And so that's what, it made me think about this, that Jesus was, it's like Jesus was playing chess while everyone else was playing checkers. Everyone else is saying, well, there's either two options. You know, you can fight or you can flight. You can be aggressive or you can be passive. And Jesus is like, man, I'm playing chess over here. <laughs> there's limitless options to how I can respond. But I'm going to find a way to assert the truth without fight or flight. I'm not going to be seeking revenge. I'm going to be seeking what's best for you and everyone involved. And I'm going to find an alternative way to respond. Chess is more complicated. It takes longer to learn and even longer to get good at. It takes practice. And so it is with this Jesus way of handling conflict. You're not going to be great at it on your first go-round. But begin to learn how to play in the framework that Jesus gave. And you'll be playing chess while the rest of the world plays checkers. And the thing about it is, that's not just some like, ha, I'm playing chess while you're playing checkers. <laughs> this is, the goal of this is uh, of changing the game to assert the truth without fight or flight is to end the cycles of unhealthy conflict that go on in our world. And so every conflict that you can resolve in a positive way, every time you can assert the truth into a situation, then you're spreading light in the world and peace in the world. And in this Christmas season, where God really changed the game by sending Jesus in the most unexpected way, right? It brought peace and joy and hope and love into the world. And that's what we do every time that we manage to, to handle conflict the way Jesus taught us to. These are ideas worth spreading. It's a way worth living. It's a better way. And you and I, we really can.
live it by his help. So let's uh, pray together today. Father, thank you that when we were still yet living as your enemies, Christ died for us. God, our natural response tends to be to get even or to run and hide when conflict rears its head. Holy Spirit, teach us the Jesus way. Give us the creativity that we need and the assertiveness and most of all the, the courage in the heart to handle conflict the way he taught us to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.